Welcome to the Ether. Today is Monday, July 11th, 2022. Today on the Ether, the next 1,000 chains with Saga, hosted by Cosmos Spaces. Let's take a listen. Cool. So let's go ahead and get it uh, kicked off. I'm going to start by uh, just doing an intro uh, to the uh, Saga team uh, so everybody knows who's uh, behind it and uh, what you guys are doing and who you are. So um, let's go ahead and kick it off with Rex. You want to start us off and introduce yourself. Uh, hello, my name is Rex. I live in Seattle and my background is all in developer relations ecosystem. The last 10 or 15 years, I was working at Mashery, Intel, ARM, NVIDIA, and I quit to join Saga because the team is awesome and we're building really cool technology. Perfect. I guess I'll go next. Uh, my name is Joe Dierte. I'm a, a Cosmos regular, longtime fan of just Cosmos, IBC, everything, and Cosmos Spaces as well. Been uh, hanging out in here for a while, every now and then. But um, yeah, I've, I worked at Tendermint. Well, I guess for my start was I was part of the marketing DAO for Adam that uh, ended up being wild. And we had a ton of money. We did a bunch of cool marketing stuff. I think it helped um, just get Cosmos out there a little bit more. Uh, ended up working at Tendermint. At Tendermint, I was working under Jin in the corporate development division. And while we had a um, our first meetup in person in Vegas, the idea of for Saga was born. It was called Sagan Network at the time, or it ended up being called Sagan. There was a long story how that name changed. But um, yeah, ended up spinning out of Tendermint about two to three months ago and led by our uh, badass CEO, Rebecca, here, who's next to introduce herself. And yeah, that's just the quick and dirty on Joe Dirty. <laughs> I, I haven't heard that catchphrase yet, um, Joe Dierte, but uh, yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. So thank you, uh, and thanks, Rex. Uh, so before I keep going, Tricky, it's nice to meet you, and thanks so much for having us. Uh, Jen Kwan, who's one of our co-founders, is uh, still in listener mode, uh, so if you could please welcome him to the stage as a speaker, that'd be great. Send him some uh, invites. Let's see if he's, uh, maybe he's warming up. Okay, sounds good. Here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, hey, guys. So I, I'm Rebecca Liao. I am co-founder and CEO here at Saga. Uh, as Joe Dierte mentioned, we started life in the Cosmos ecosystem as Sagan, announced at Cosmoverse last year. But we have since uh, gone through a few changes. So we changed our name, uh, first and foremost. And I, I promise you, it, it was more complicated than just dropping the N at the end. Uh, but we we picked a new name. Um, we have a very solid product vision that we have been building. We're excited to share more about that with all of you. Uh, in terms of my personal background, Saga is my second uh, crypto startup. My first one was called Skew Chain, and I did that one with Zaki Mannion, whom I'm sure you all know. 
but I was co-founder and COO there for four years. Uh, it was more um, uh, of a DeFi protocol focused on providing short-term liquidity to small, medium-sized businesses. And once I grew the platform to about $5 billion in annual volume, I thought, okay, I think it'd be great to start looking around and, and see what's, um, what's next out there and what, um, uh, what further thing would I like to build. Uh, I started off my, my tech career in AI. So I, I transitioned over from AI to crypto. The AI startup that I did was called Globality, uh, which focused on AI-based procurement of international services. We got bought, backed, um, not bought, <laughs> jumping the gun there. We got backed by SoftBank uh, and grew to um, unicorn status. And at that point, uh, I, I was really interested in getting into crypto and, and the rest is history. Started my career as a corporate lawyer uh, and did mergers and acquisitions, securities law for uh, about five, six years um, before going into tech full time. I do also have a policy background. Uh, so I was part of the Clinton and Biden presidential campaigns 2016 and 2020, both times advising on foreign policy as well as tech policy. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's a little bit about myself, uh, and I'm just excited to share Saga with all of you. And I think, um, Jin, you, you got it sorted out. Yep, apparently I can't use the computer. Can everyone hear me? Oh, yes. Yep. Just yes okay, perfect. Uh, uh, I'll do a quick and dirty as Joe Durte did. <laughs> Uh, my name is Jin. Um, I've been in the Cosmos ecosystem for a pretty long time now. I, I joined Tendermint back in 2018. Uh, kind of helped the the hub launch at that point, and then has been you know have been focused mostly around the the business side of uh, Tendermint for a while. And then um, met a bunch of our co-founders here at Saga, as well as um, other kind of. Uh, founding team members and decided we had a very really interesting common vision so spun out of Tenderman and uh, we're we're you know excitedly at this point now and thank you for having us awesome yeah thank you guys for introducing yourselves um sounds like you guys have got a well-rounded team and that's cool you guys have all pretty much have working experience uh kind of not only just in the industry but almost you know together working in the cosmos you know somebody with Tenderman um so I'm you know I think that probably makes an easy transition for you all to to get this rocking and and rolling. So, uh, you know, speaking of that shared vision that you just mentioned and uh, Saga, and I I know it's Saga and, you know, the next 1,000 chains um, in the Cosmos. So can you kind of just like explain uh, what Saga is and what, you know, what the vision is in the place uh, for Saga in the the Cosmos and the larger, uh, you know, blockchain ecosystem? Do you want to take this one, Rebecca, Jen? Yeah, sure. I, I, I can take a crack at this. Uh, so great question, Tricky. Thank you for asking it. So it's the most important question of all. So Saga is uh, a protocol to automatically launch chains. Uh, so what that means is a developer is able to take a single tenant virtual machine. Um, we put it in a virtual machine environment in order to be able to control the deployment process as much as possible. But once um, a developer has that ready, then we can automatically deploy onto its own dedicated chain via command line. Uh, so it's meant to take a process that lasts anywhere from eight to 10 months, uh, even for the most experienced engineering teams to stand up their own chains uh, into five seconds. Uh, you just have to come ready with your application. The first kind of virtual machine that we'll support is uh, the EVM because we see how popular it is with developers. But the ambition is to be 
VM agnostic. So the next kind of VM that will likely support is Wasm um, because of how helpful it is in Cosmos. And of course, we'll, we'll go down the line from there. Uh, but that is a long and short of what the product is. It's true that um, the way we're able to allow these dedicated chains, which we call chainlets, uh, to be stood up in an automated manner uh, is through interchain security. So there is the Saga mainnet and all the validators of the mainnet will also be validating each of these individual chainlets. Um, so we are doing a shared security model. It is very, very similar to what the hub is doing, but there are some important distinctions there, which I, I can get into later. Uh, but uh, through using that model, we are able to uh, allow these applications to get onto their own dedicated chains automatically. And we're able to also preserve a lot of the token accrual value um, for these applications. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's what Saga does. Uh, in terms of the areas in which we're focusing in first, we think that the most urgent need for app chains comes from the gaming and entertainment spaces. It's true that uh, better performance, higher throughput, more reliability and scalability are things that all chains can benefit from in all kinds of applications, even those in DeFi and, and other use cases in crypto. However, um, in terms of the applications that really cannot function or that can't really do interesting business models without those characteristics of the chain, we think that those land squarely in gaming and entertainment. Uh, we'll never turn away a DeFi application. We still think that DeFi is at the heart of crypto, and so many people on our team have deep expertise in DeFi. Uh, but in terms of where we're focusing our outreach, it really is in gaming and entertainment. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll stop there um, and hand it over to anyone else on the team uh, who'd like to uh, add anything um, additional, but that that's a long and short of saga. Yeah, so one thing that I wanted to add is um, you know, obviously, Cosmos in general has this vision of having, you know, many, many different blockchains and different app chains specifically that uh, interact with each other with IBC. But um, based on conversations we've had with a lot of developers, um, you know, while the, the Cosmos model is really great and it's really flexible and it's good for powerful applications, um, it's actually really difficult to stand up your own um, application chain because it entails like a lot more than just saying, hey, I want my own chain. You need to put together a validator set. That's you know uh, the first thing. But the second thing is you need to actually incentivize these validators. You need to have a staking token that secures your network, et cetera, et cetera. And then you have to worry about how to secure your network and how that token interacts now with like your application. So you know things get a little bit more complicated when, as soon as you start diving into just going into Cosmos. And, and one of the things that um, I've always been focused on is how to make this process a little bit easier for developers to onboard onto um, uh, into Cosmos ultimately without worrying about all the staking tokens, all this validator stuff essentially that needs to happen. And you know, the real the 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 the, the reality is when someone wants to deploy on something like Ethereum or Solana, it's pretty simple, right? You just bring in and you just deploy a smart contract. Uh, and ultimately, I think, uh, and we all think that. Uh, the process for developers should be just as easy as as the experiences in other platforms ultimately yeah i like that how you guys talked you know mentioned bringing that like bootstrapping phase from months and months and months and you know it's very intensive not only just you know getting together all those validators and all that you know coordination but it costs a lot of money um, to incentivize the people to to do this as well too so you know being able to just lower the barrier of entry 
um, make it super easy uh, because we know that like, yes, the app chain vision is, is what makes sense. And that sovereignty is great. Um, like just mentioned, it is kind of hard to continue to scale um, at that point when you have to spin up a whole validator set for every, every single app chain. No, that's, that's exactly right, Tricky. And the thing that I would add there is oftentimes when people think about, okay, what does it take to spin up your own app chain? They think about the validators first and foremost, how easy or hard is it for me to get a set of validators? And for projects um, with team members who have been in this space for a little while, they probably have a lot of validator connections. And that more and more people are also starting to spin up their own validators because they see how profitable it is. Uh, but in terms of actually doing orchestration among those validators, making sure that your security model is solid, that your token economics is solid, those are all tasks too. And so it's not just straight engineering and using the Cosmos SDK uh, to build your own chain. It is also um, coming up with, with the entire protocol and all the business aspects around it. Uh, so it's quite a lot um, for any developer uh, and any project to think about. Uh, so even for the ones that are very well-resourced and are very experienced, it becomes quite easy uh, to decide to use a protocol like ours instead because you get all the benefits of having your own individual chain, but without the same lift. Most of the same benefits, I'd say. Most of the same benefits, that's true. That's true, probably <laughs> overstepping there. Um, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's hard to compete. <laughs> it's hard to compete with the level of sovereignty that Cosmos Stack offers, which is why that's what we're building on. But um, uh, at the end of the day, there's just spinning up a, a validator set and designing token economics and everything. It's not going to be for every app chain. And I don't think that was, I mean, that's why Cosmos Hub is doing what it's doing. And I think it's, it's important to um, separate ourselves from Cosmos Hub because I'm still like a major Adam Bull. I love what what they're doing, um, but it's just a different vision. Where in it's more Sog is more permissionless access to block space. Like the market sets the rate for block space, and if you pay it, your chain will get validated. Where Cosmos Hub is more of a governance based, where you have to submit a proposal to the Atom validator set, and then once that a pro, uh, proposal is approved, then you're just kind of in the club. You could say the the chain is. Um, validated by whatever the agreement was made between the chains. So it's a, di it's a different model and there's room for both to succeed, I think. is it just an important note to make. Yeah, definitely. I think the model you guys have is very interesting too. Like you guys really, I feel like, took a lot of time to go through the business aspect of this. Um, I really like the reference to how Uber, you know, runs on Amazon Web Service, but they don't necessarily, the end user isn't necessarily paying um, Amazon. Um, so can you guys just kind of go into like how a developer would come to Saga and deploy their their app chain um, and kind of what this like uh, validator marketplace looks like and how the fees will work on that as well? Because I know this is something that kind of separates you guys from the way some of the other projects are doing things. Yeah, so I'll go through the developer flow first, but then I'm going to turn it over to Jin to describe how it is that we've structured our token uh, because... It, you're right, Tricky. It is something that we spent a lot of time thinking about. And the whole purpose behind the way we have structured our token is to make sure that not only is it friendly for new developers and new projects to be able to build on these Saga chainlets, but it also uh, is a great tool for other projects uh, that have already been established, even other L1 protocols 
to scale and um, and siphon off uh, applications that are starting to take up their block space. So it allows us to really be a good player in the ecosystem on many different fronts. But in terms of the developer flow, so what a developer does at the moment is they deploy a smart contract uh, into uh, an EVM. And it's an EVM that we provide at the outset. But having said that, it, it is very much based on Ethermint. We're making some modifications to it. Uh, and, and the goal is um, to, to give developers who are familiar with Solidity uh, and um, the, the different variations of EVMs that are out there an ability to, to work with something that they're familiar with. So they um, take that VM and uh, through command line, they're able to deploy um, that application automatically onto a dedicated chain. Um, the deployment part we take care of. Uh, so that is all pretty much invisible to the developer. The security layer has been abstracted away completely. Uh, the way that um, the developer is able to keep these dedicated chains alive uh, is through paying um, fees in the form of Saga tokens. So uh, the chainlets are, are not free. It, it, they do represent computing power. That needs to be provided uh, by the validators, and the validators need to be compensated for that. Uh, so we have a mechanism by which the uh, validators are setting prices for providing security for these chainlets. Uh, our goal is to make those prices as competitive as possible um, to, again, lower the barrier of entry for developers as much as possible. And um, the developer would then have to um, uh, put up a bond to pay for those chainlet fees uh, for a certain period of time. As they get more traffic onto their chainlet, obviously the price for keeping that chainlet alive is going to increase and that money will then be debited from that bond. So I, I'm sure for many people out there who are familiar with the different kinds of protocols, once you hear the word bond, you think, well, isn't this very much like a Kusama or a Polkadot? So a very crucial difference here is, A, this is... Um, this is not the main method by which our token, quote unquote, accrues value. We are not looking to maximize the price of these chainlets. We're actually trying to keep them as low as possible. The other thing is there's no auction mechanism. If you are able to pay the price that's been posted for that particular chainlet, then you get your own chainlet. There is um, no concept of a finite amount of block space that needs to be auctioned off uh, to uh, dedicated chains or to projects in order for them to get their own block space. And that should significantly decrease the capital required to stand up one of these chainlets. And so that is more or less um, how developers are able to get onto their own dedicated chains. Um, for uh, certain developers who are part of our innovator program, uh, we do subsidize uh, the um, the cost of the chainlets up front. And for the most part, we do want to be able to offer at least free trials to developers who are standing up these chains. So before you get any sort of appreciable traffic through the system, uh, you're able to just stand up a chain and start developing on it almost as a test environment um, so that you can uh, uh, run some tests on the code before you actually start to welcome your users onto it. Uh, but that's, that's what a developer life cycle looks like We'll talk more about the Innovator program later. Um, Rex, who is our head of DevRels, is on the call. 
can get, offer more details on that, but um, that's that's what you're looking at if you're a developer. And then I want to hand it over to Jen to talk about the token piece. Sure. So uh, thank you, Rebecca. So um, essentially, um, you can think of kind of Saga as uh, a block space infrastructure provider um, as net. And so the developers are the ones who are paying to provision uh, block space, um, kind of their own little block space on our end. And so um, the, the, the nice thing about the, the model that we created that now, if you look at how um, gas fees kind of work ultimately um, in, in traditional blockchains like uh, you know, Ethereum and, and Solana and things like that, the gas fee essentially is, um, you know, number one, the, way, the method in which the, uh, the chain kind of gets paid for the processing of the blocks, right? And then also there's some level of competition uh, that the end users have to kind of compete for the block space because ultimately these applications are all deployed on a shared block space environment ultimately. Um, from in, in Saga, the, the whole story is a little bit different. And so because the block space is provisioned by the developers already and paid for by the developers, um, there's really no reason for Saga to charge the end users. Um, and so um, from our end, uh, from Saga's end, there's no direct correlation and uh, payments that are coming from the end users. Um, if the developers want to, so let's say uh, a developer provisions a chainlet and um, they gather uh, fees, if they wanted to, they could do that. And in a traditional sense, that fee would go to either the validator or the network. Um, but in Saga, what, hap- what ends up happening is those fees accrue to the developers as developer kind of revenue, ultimately. And really, the job of the developer, ultimately, at that point is to um, be, convert that revenue and you know pay for the, the Saga chain. Then. And so functionally, it works very closely, much more similar to how the real world works in terms of um, you know kind of the example that you, you brought up, Tricky, which is the you know, uh, when Uber uh, pays, you know, AWS, you know, the end users, uh, when they get a ride through Uber, you know, the end users pay Uber and Uber books that as their revenue. And then they convert uh, part of that revenue into uh, payments to AWS um, and pay for essentially the infrastructure that they need. And so the structure uh, that Saga provides makes it a lot more um, kind of real world and easier for businesses and 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 you know protocols and companies to function because it, it mirrors a lot more of how real interactions work in the in, in the real world. So, so that's uh, um, um, but you know obviously uh, if the developer did not want the end users to have any fees, they could do that. They could do a subscription model where the developers gather like a monthly fee from the user and then they get infinite access to the block space if they want. Um, other ways, uh, other Saga kind of enables lots of different business models um, that are advantageous as well. So that the the developer can technically make this chain completely free, and uh, you know subsidize the the payment of the the chain that using other means such as you know advertisements or um, other methods of, of of payment gateways that's that are not fees ultimately. And so this flexibility um, in in the model really allows developers to. Uh, build out kind of the product that they ultimately want without worrying about how the end users will interact with the chain ultimately, because, you know, ultimately it shouldn't matter. Um, uh, uh, the, the end user should not be directly really noticing that there's a chain on the other end. They should, they should all be abstracted away by the developers ultimately. One additional benefit is the developer can choose 
the uh, choose to get payment for that block space in whatever token they'd like. So a different L1, let's say, in Cosmos could partner with Saga and make block space available, let's say, in Osmo. You could have the gas fee be Osmo and make a, like a pseudo economic shard of osmosis and unlock additional block space and have that additional revenue from that point towards the osmosis community pool the osmosis now like there's it opens up some different avenues for partnerships with um other l1s or even you could think of like uniswap making a partnership with us and making an economic shard within saga and having that revenue flow to the uni holders so then there's finally revenue for uniswap Holy. All right. Yeah. <laughs> the really cool thing about this whole thing is that, you know, it, it can, it doesn't have to be the developers that are the customers. They, they can be, uh, uh, kind of Rebecca hinted at this, but other layer ones can be customers of Saka as well. And so, because if you, if you look at the, the customer flow for somebody, a project that's on, um, let's take EVMOS for an example. So let's say there's a project on EVMOS. Um, the customer flow for that is the, the end user pays in EVMOS token, a transaction fee, essentially, to get their transactions included in the block. So what EVMOS can really uh, actually do is they can deploy um, a, a Saga chainlet uh, that uh, uses EVMOS token as the, the, the fee tokens, ultimately. And then that fee token would accrue actually not to Saga, but to a wallet controlled by the, the EVMOS, you know, either foundation or the chain or something like that. And, um, you know, some part of that uh, fee accrued, uh, accrued fee can be used to pay down the, the, the chainlet bond. And then the remainder can actually be dumped back to um, EVMOS uh, validators and EVMOS community members. So the economic flow of, a, uh, of the tokens actually is identical to as if it's deployed on EVMOS. But now there's this like added benefit of uh, Saga kind of extending the, the block space of, of the EVMOS blockchain. So we can actually have really interesting uh, partnership models with uh, different layer ones as well, as well as you know developers or other kinds of projects, ultimately, which is really neat. Yeah, that's really cool. I think I like how you mentioned kind of it's like the side economies. You know, you kind of like shard off some some block space, and you know it's essentially a layer one that's kind of off to the side using you know separate block space. You know, because there there may become a time where block space becomes really scarce, and we have high fees and some of these other chains. Um, so I really like, you know, the, the model you guys have. So how do you guys ensure that, you know, developers are getting the lowest fees in this model? Like, do you guys have some sort of mechanism that incentivizes or forces, you know, validators, um, to, to provide the lowest fees possible? Yeah. So we're, we're actively looking into the direct mechanism. We, there's a lot of different ways of doing this, but. You can imagine, uh, for example, one way to do this is, um, uh, you know, the validators essentially are posting, "Hey, how much, uh, like, how much will I charge a developer essentially to spin up a basic chainlet?" And you can kind of rank order those validators, and the delegators can choose which ones that they de want to delegate to ultimately. And um, the way we can incentivize the entire system to work properly is if the network says. Hey, if you reduce the price of the chainlet um, uh, delegator, then we'll actually give you a little bit more inflation. Then the the delegators are ultimately incentivized to delegate to validators that are a little bit cheaper, and and, and over time, that the price of the actual network should be uh, going down 
um, as delegators kind of want more and more inflation from the network, right? So there, there, there's many ways of designing the system, but that's like, that description essentially is like one way of doing it. But uh, we're, we're kind of thinking of a holistic way to make sure that the the, the incentivization of the price for the chainlets is uh, over time reduced and everyone is kind of incentivized to try to lower that amount. That's awesome. I'm going to let Marty uh, here ask his question. And then if there is anybody else out there in the crowd that wants to ask something and has a question, feel free to DM me um, or you can go ahead and request the mic to come up on stage and ask it yourself as well. Um, how you doing, Marty? Hey, this is Marty with Cosmos Spaces as well. Um, thanks for coming on. So um, it seems to me that kind of retrofitting the business model into current L1s, that's, that's, that some, seems like some heavy lifting. Let's, so let's talk about like new L1s. What essentially is the target market here? Are, are we chasing Starbucks for its points and Coca-Cola for its new point strategy? You know, Nike, you know, what's, what's the target market for, you say devs, but I think of more like brands, I guess. Um, could you, could you elucidate a little bit about that? Sure, Marty. Thanks so much for the question. Um, I, I would say uh, I, I don't blame you for immediately thinking about large enterprises when you hear our model, because for a lot of these enterprises, and Skewche and I, I worked with a lot of them, that was, that was really our target market there. Uh, they were concerned about the lift that it would require to build up their own network. And once you have your own network, what is the nature of it? Is it completely permissionless, which sounds a little concerning, or are there ways that you can control it? Um, is there a way that you can actually uh, drive down the cost of this such that you're not just building a really fancy centralized database? So there are lots of reasons why the Saga model is very attractive to those large enterprises. I would say, though, that having been in this space for a little while and sold to those kinds of companies, the go-to-market strategy for a Web3 company should always be to win in Web3 first. And that's why we are so incredibly crypto native in the way that we approach go-to-market, why we're talking about L1s as opposed to these, um, these enterprises that are looking to dip their toes into Web3. Now, don't get me wrong, um, we are talking to uh, a lot of these companies as well, but we understand that the sales cycle there is uh, at minimum 12 to 18 months, which is forever uh, in crypto. So those things will take their time. Uh, but yes, this kind of model is very attractive to them. In terms of where we actually put our time, energy, and resources towards go-to-market, it is in the gaming and entertainment sectors. And specifically within those sectors, we are looking at new projects, absolutely. Uh, so new games, new NFT projects, uh, we're also looking at studios uh, that are really established in Web 2 and they're looking to get into Web 3. Uh, we're looking at native Web 3 uh, game studios as well. Uh, and in terms of the L1s, what's interesting is this. Uh, so absolutely the newer L1s. If your ambition is to be a layer one, primarily because you want some sort of sovereignty and you want the economic uh, uh gain of having your own L1, then I think the Saga model works really well for you. If for whatever reason, your purpose for having an L1 is heavily centered around governance, then I don't know if this is the best model because it's true that 
while you have your own block space here, uh, performance and throughput are greatly enhanced. You have complete predictability around gas fees because your applications are not affected by applications that are also a part of this ecosystem. Uh, you also give up sort of the, the native staking token that is used for security purposes, because again, it's, it's our validator set that you're sharing security with. Uh, at the same time, there is no sort of obvious governance model. Now you can mimic both of those things with your own token um, through using a lot of the mechanisms that Jin was talking about. You can have your own native token still uh, and use that for governance and staking purposes. But if you wanted both of those characteristics to be completely inherent to the L1 that you're building, then I, I don't know if SOG is the right place. Um, what's interesting, though, with respect to L1s that are currently established. So, um, Marty, you're right to point out that in terms of the economic model, uh, we had to do some thinking as to how do we make this quote unquote easy for the L1s to use this. Now, why would an established L1 want to use somebody like Saga? Um, sharding is a big reason. So scalability is a concern that pretty much uh, any L1 that has achieved a certain amount of growth is thinking about. And being able to take new applications that are built on you or frankly, even modules uh, that are a part of your, your original L1 chain uh, and shard them onto a Saga chainlet, that is a, a nifty way to help with the scalability issue. Again, because any token can be used on the front end um, for payment of gas fees, you accrue value to your token exactly the same way as you would if you yourself were the back end. But of course, you would have to pay our, our chainlet fees, and those are the equivalent of infrastructure costs. Uh, but it is a nice way to horizontally scale your block space. What we do have to think about is uh, composability and making sure that if you are, say, a Solana game and you're coming onto a Saga chainlet, that somehow still this game is able to talk to others within the Solana ecosystem. And that's where something like bridging um, becomes really important. So I, I think that's the next step for us. The first iteration of our product is really focused on nailing the developer flow that we were talking about, making sure that it's easy for developers and our L1 partners to deploy applications or modules onto their own dedicated chainlets. And to the extent that there needs to be bridging back to the original chain, that is, um, that's the next step. That's something that we're working on. Now, obviously there, there are things that you can do and workarounds that you can implement uh, just based on the fact that Cosmos has IBC. It also now has interchain accounts, which is, is really powerful. Uh, so there, there are ways that we can uh, make sure that the original L1 partner that we're working with and their chainlets are very closely integrated with one another. But that's how we've been thinking about go-to-market, why it is we're working with other L1s, uh, and why ultimately the Saga model is attractive to either use case. Yeah, and, and to just quickly summarize, uh, like a good uh, user of, of Saga ultimately will be those who um, kind of want a their own chain space but uh don't quite want to spin up it themselves <laughs> is like the best way to describe it and that goes that is a, applicable to all the people that rebecca mentioned They're like the the starbucks probably doesn't want to actually go and you know deploy their own validator set and create a staking token like not at all right but also there are lots of small you know game developers or small entertainment NFT like projects who also don't want to do that. So this is not something that's really universal in terms of scale and size. It's like it, it's found everywhere. Everyone has these issues of 
hey, I don't want to actually be the ones deploying this infrastructure. And so there, there has been a lot of solutions out in the market today where essentially a group of people will spin up like a like an application specific chain for people, but those are you know uh, more manual and more difficult to to go through, which is why it's been more limited. And so from our end, we're trying to create essentially a solution that automates that process for people, so that they they, they just pay you know Saga to do it for them instead of you know paying somebody like a consulting fee to build up a, a application specific blockchain. Fantastic answer. Do you, do you mind if I do a follow up? Go for it, please. Um, so definitely have been thinking a lot about extant communities. So, so a really big craft brewery in Massachusetts or Pennsylvania is an extant community, right? And they, they're clearly, and, and, and I've talked to them, I've talked to, talked this through quite a bit. And they, they're clearly in that case of, they don't want to spin up a chain, boy, but they have certain things they'd like to do. Um, have you ever thought about, you know, basically going to extant communities with an NFT solution in addition to the chain? So NFTs as badges, not necessarily NFTs as art for, you know, basically the classical um, Starbucks points or you know, craft beer point system, whatever else that's available on almost every POS. Yeah, I anyway, think, I think the energy. So when we say like gaming and entertainment, I think NFTs roughly go into that camp and NFTs are super underexplored. So like what I'm hearing from you is just like some sort of NFT mechanism linked to the, um, their craft brewery, like loyalty points or a uh, badging system or whatever. Um, so yeah, I think that stuff is definitely in the wheelhouse of Saga's capabilities, because um, you would need something like that to be very low fee if you want it to actually take off, you know, and very simple user interface. Thank yeah. you very much. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, Marty, thanks for the question, and and Joe, thanks. Um, yeah, thanks for shedding light on uh, the fact that when we say gaming and entertainment, we're, we we definitely mean NFTs as well. I mean, frankly. A lot of Web3 gaming right now is NFTs uh, in the way that the games interact with the chain. Uh, but yes, we, we are looking at the full category of NFTs for, um, for all purposes, but primarily uh, for culture, for entertainment um, and those uses. The, the other thing I'll mention with respect to NFTs is uh, the growth in the NFT market has sort of masked the fact for a lot of people outside of Web3 to the fact that most of these NFT platforms don't really interact with one another. In fact, they don't. Um, in order to get liquidity on NFTs, either you have to have some sort of ecosystem going that's really fruitful, uh, or you have a presence on an exchange, et cetera. So I think where we feel the pain first and foremost with respect to NFTs is that lack of ready interoperability between different NFT platforms. And in Working with uh, NFT providers, uh, as well as those who are looking to mint NFTs who are not in Web3, so uh, like the brewery that you mentioned, Marty, that is the thing that they're looking for first and foremost, is our users really want to have something really cool that we produce for them, but they want to be able to do something with it. And oftentimes that means going outside of this closed ecosystem. Um, so the exciting thing for uh, the games and, and entertainment companies that work with us is 
not only do you have access to the other chains uh, within the Saga ecosystem, uh, and not only can you yourselves spin up multiple chains such that you're providing interoperability between the different universes that you create, because of the bridging, you're able to go from these sovereign chains to other ecosystems as well. Um, so again, the bridging piece will come later, uh, but in terms of having this sort of multifaceted world uh, where these NFTs can achieve liquidity and interoperability, that's that's also um, a really nifty use case for uh, for the Saga chainlets. And I have one point to add around interoperability that I'm sure all the Cosmos nerds will appreciate, is that um, all these chainlets share the same validator set. So you can imagine that you can get increased levels of, let's just say, IBC user experience if you have this uh, shared validator set for this multi-chain system to have um, just relaying guarantees or at least on a social level, there's like a promise for uh, these chains to also act as relayers. Um, It can do some powerful things and get some faster um, and smoother IBC user experience possibly. And also, uh, um, sorry, I'm going to take this away from interoperability for a second, but uh, uh, Joe uh, specifically talked about how these um, NFT brewery communities will require kind of a low fee uh, network and low cost network, right, essentially. And so that is actually one of the things that we've been um, focused on in, in the ecosystem is if you take a look at, you know, NFTs and gaming solutions out there, a lot of them uh, haven't deployed on something like Ethereum. And um, the the use case for that is really just high value, low volume transactions because of how expensive just Ethereum is in general. And so there, there is a lot, there's um, a kind of a, a, a space out there for those um, applications that are in uh, for NFTs that require kind of higher volume, but lower value transactions. And that's kind of squarely exactly where we're targeting uh, for our go-to-market. Um, that will fit really well within Saga because um, uh, of the way that uh, our system works, we'll be able to offer that kind of solution. Ultimately. And you guys got a lot going on. Like, I really, you guys have really thought through um, this, I think, a lot more on the business aspect side than I think a lot of these uh, projects do. Um, we get a lot of people that are really innovative, really smart, not to make a lot of great tech, but there's some other aspects to these projects that maybe you could use some more fine tuning. And it sounds like you guys, you know, have almost already done that. Yeah, it was a long process to get where we were under the original Sagan, uh, design. It was more of like a Kusama, uh, polka dot kind of shared security vision where it would be. Um, multiple cosmos blockchains but it was only after a bunch of research and like prodding into what the market needs is that we found the our current design and just following that same idea of just always going after what the market needs and thinking about how we can partner with businesses how we can be a more useful piece of web3 infrastructure is how we made it to our inevitable design that's awesome a little part maybe that we that we've mentioned but haven't gotten into yet so i'd like to go to rec I think you guys called it your uh, your innovators program. Um, so could you guys, I'm sure you guys have thought, you know, this through very well. Um, so if you guys can just, you know, kind of explain what that is, how you're attracting devs and the kind of resources they have for this. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I've been working in ecosystem for the last 10 or 15 years. And what I found consistently 
whether it's Intel's ecosystem or Mashery or ARM or Video, it's like there's always uh, a set of devs out there that are really looking at uh, the, the space in terms of developer experience. Uh, I'll give a good example in the Cosmos space of Dan Lynch, I believe his Twitter handle is Pyramation. So a guy like this is thinking very carefully about how to lower entry barriers to get into Cosmos, to build an application, to build a front end, to get the scale. And this really matters because every minute you can spend, you can save as a developer as you come up with your solution and, and launch it and then scale it, uh, saves you a lot of money. Um, so the Innovator program, uh, what we're hoping to do and is attract folks like Dan, uh, people in the Cosmos ecosystem and outside the Cosmos ecosystem that are really looking about how to improve the lives of developers. So uh, through the Innovator program, uh, we're, we're going to get them, uh, we're going to do uh, joint co-marketing, community hangouts, technical content. We're going to have grants. Uh, we're going to be providing early access to get uh, feedback on our CLI tools and developer docs. Uh, probably pursue joint sample codes and application. And the goal is just to innovate ahead. Like, uh, you know, Saga, we're an infrastructure company, but we're also a developer experience company. And and the infrastructure piece, you know, we're, we're solving an extremely important part of this, you know, value chain of you come up with the app or, or you've already got an app and you need to move it. And uh, we, we also want to work with the, the broader network of people that are also thinking about all the other sub problems around that. And the Innovator program is meant to kind of recognize and, and accelerate uh, the whole problem space and, and the problems around the problem that we're solving. So we're looking for, for devs. Uh, feel free to reach out to me. I'm Rex St. John on, on Twitter. Join our Discord. And I'd, I'd love to hear what you're working on and, and how you're helping to uh, accelerate devs to uh, 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 production. Thanks so much, Rex. And just um, do one thing to add to that, we recently unveiled the Innovator Program because we were getting a lot of demand and we wanted to be able to help uh, the developers, the projects, and the other protocols that were coming to us looking to experiment with Saga at the very least as we complete uh, our Alphanet. And so we, we wanted to work with them in a really meaningful way. And so we stood this program there is more information about it available on our Medium blog, but please feel free to reach out to anyone on the team, but especially to Rex, uh, to get more information on that. Um, in terms of the number of slots that we have for this program, so we are starting with 50. Uh, so 50 uh, individual projects or developers that we'll really highlight uh, over the course of the next couple of months and give early access to our Alphanet uh, and uh, engage in, in co-marketing efforts. Uh, and this is to make sure that every project that we do work with, that it's a great experience for everyone. Um, so we we are keeping the initial cohort at 50. Of course, we will continue to foster our developer ecosystem uh, as any L1 would. But you know, as Rex mentioned, we are a developer experience company. And so um, we we want to continue to expand this. But first to cohort is is 50. If you're interested in participating, please let Rex or um, myself or Jin or Joe, no, uh, and and we can get you in the right channels. It looks like you guys have a, a weekly uh, developer and innovator hangout in the Discord. Is that right? Yeah. So we're we started that. We're trying to decide if we want to do more of a Twitter Space vibe because it feels a little bit more discoverable. But um, as, as of now, we're going to try to do um, either biweekly Twitter Space or um, yeah, we're, we're we're trying to finalize it right now. 
we just kind of like the fact that Twitter space is easier to just grow your community, I think, versus Discord. But, um, I mean, you guys have a good experience in that. It worked for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's definitely uh, different niches that each platform serves. Discord is, is really cool, but, you know, when trying to do something like that, Twitter, Twitter space is probably, like you said, more visible, discoverable, um, easier to get people to join in. Yeah. But, yeah, we still are looking to uh, get developers on either like a biweekly or weekly Twitter space discord and just um, just talk to them. So we had our first one last week. It went really well. And, yeah, we just always have a developer first mindset because we really think they're the ones that are pushing Web3 forward. And, like, the users are very important, but uh, without the developers, there'd be nothing. So, cool. Is there any more uh, questions in the audience? Or did I? Can you guys hear me or did I lose you? Yeah, we can hear you. Oh, okay, cool. Sounds good. It was very quiet. <laughs> I was listening to one of your guys' space before. Your, your, uh, Rebecca was saying she does she does something with politics. Oh, sorry. I uh, I heard everything up to you heard that I did something with, and then I lost the rest. Do you do you do something in politics? I do, and uh, so I I was part of both the Clinton and Biden presidential campaigns. Uh, it was quite a trip. But um, I, I have been working on various different areas of policy, but including crypto policy. And it's, it's been an interesting time. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's not quite on topic of, of Saga, but I'm happy to, to just give a minute on that. Um, you know, my perspective well, on these... blew me away, your references. Like, you know, I felt like I should ask. Oh, no, 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 no. Thank you for that. It's, it's very kind. But yeah, it's, it's one of those things where... Um, I, I feel like most regulators are looking at crypto as, um, as source, still something that they don't really know what to make of. And the companies in this space that are uh, more familiar with how to talk to regulators are really driving the conversation. So people like Circle, for instance, uh, actually, it, it has nothing to do with how successful you've been. I would say Coinbase has put a lot of resources into policy, and yet they haven't been very effective. Uh, but you're you're really looking at some form of um, uh, big industry players driving the narrative here, uh, which is not great because those industry players are not um, representative of the wider industry and some of the more cutting edge innovations that really get taken up by the crypto community are unknown to policymakers or just at the very least not well understood. So I, I think that it's really important um, for us to, to continue this very, very long journey of educating policymakers about what it is we do exactly, why it is we do it, what is the ethos that drives the crypto community, and then we'll probably get somewhere. I think given everything that's happening in the macro, uh, regulators are a little distracted right now with um, wider economic concerns. So they're not honing in on crypto as much as they would have uh, if we had been in normal times and just sort of continue the pace of the work in this space. So I, I don't know if we can expect any heavy regulation coming out over this interim period. Don't quote me on that. I mean, they may surprise us, but I, I just don't really see it happening. The, the bigger thing, though, is to continue that open discussion. And I, I would also um, encourage companies or projects that have hired policy people uh, to not think of it as, okay, you know, it's, it's almost like I hired um, 
what's what's the equivalent? Uh, it's it's almost like I, I hired a specialist in privacy law, and I'm gonna you know send you off to your own realm. You're gonna do your thing, and uh, you know come back when you have something to report. I would actively engage your policy hires into the business uh, as well as into the product side of things because the better informed they are, the more effective they'll be able to be. Otherwise, I mean, policy people know how to say words without really saying very much. Uh, And we can spend years doing that. So I I would encourage people who have invested in policy resources to continue an open dialogue with those resources as well, just to make sure that your interests are well represented. Uh, But yeah, it's it's all very sort of high level and, and mushy at the moment because that's just where crypto policy is. But if people are looking for a short-term strategy to follow, um, then I, I would recommend that. Oh, did we lose Tricky? I think we might have lost Tricky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tricky Tricky's missing. Um, are there any other questions for the Saga crew here tonight? Come on, uh, Steffi. Tricky's back. What, uh, back. Sorry. <laughs> I got rubbed. Are you good? <laughs> so... One thing from the spaces side is we're, we're working on a first step because um, we have a dev team on the, I don't know, for lack of a word, unification of the NFTs. It's, a, it's only a first step, but we'll, we'll be able to talk about that next week with you if you're open to, you know, we'll, we'll give you some alpha about what we're working on, I guess. Is this around like IBC standards of cross uh, cross NFT? Is that what you're talking about, or no, like? It's, it's actually a simpler step, but it's 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 a to me it's an obvious step that hasn't been done. <laughs> so, I you know I'm a I'm a dinosaur OG. Basically, kind of started you know this thing called the internet back in the '80s. So I've worked for a lot of different companies doing a lot of different uh, projects, and so anyway. We'll be able to talk about it next week if you're open to quick yeah, discussion. Yeah, that sounds great. Okay, Tricky, you're back. So we hope. Hey, Tricky, you're muted. Nice. Might be an AirPods issue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, I, I personally like to use Blue Stacks and an actual mic setup on a PC. It's way better. Does Twitter Spaces work on the PC? I was... I couldn't get no. invited as a speaker. You you need Blue Stacks. It's an Android emulator. Oh, that's okay. I see. I see. I see. Yeah, we basically most people just have to use a phone. The the uh, dinosaur here loves to use a Jabra speaker in uh, doing this. Can you guys hear me now? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Joe. Uh, Joe Dierte. I'll uh, connect you, uh, Ari, and myself in a message so we can share that with you. Um. Her- Perfect. Yeah. Thanks. Is there any more any more questions from the Cosmos Space crew or the uh, audience? Uh, before I forget, uh, I want to mention that Innovator Program is also open to teams and projects that are building innovative new chains. So we're also really looking forward to talking to people that are launching or migrating chains, uh, Web two to Web three, uh, transitioning kinds of developers or, or game studios or startups. Uh, and, and folks also, you know, building innovative new chains. Just want to add that. Thank you, Rex. I think we had games come up. What's up, games? Hey, hey, just helping out here in case that happens again that you drop down. Oh, appreciate it. Appreciate the backup. 
Um, but yeah, uh, like Joe said, is there any, is, uh, any last calls for questions from the crowd? Um, now's the time to ask them. Um, feel free. So maybe, uh, maybe the last going away question, if there is any for anybody else, uh, you guys got any Saga Alpha you could share with us? Any exciting news, anything you, people don't really know about or something you guys just talked about in the meeting? Oh my goodness. Um, well, you know, we've, uh, sprinkled this in a few other conversations. Uh, we haven't tweeted it out. It hasn't really been publicized. Uh, but the, the next big milestone for us is Alphanet. And that's why we stood up the innovator program. It's the first time that projects will be coming onto uh, a very, very, very early iteration of the network. But we believe fiercely in product iteration. And we can build something that we think is really cool internally and keep brushing it up until we're satisfied with it. Or we can push a product out to the market that we know satisfies a need at some level and then iterate. Um, pretty continuously afterwards. Uh, so that's the approach that we're taking. Alphanet is dropping in a couple of months. So I would look out for that. Uh, and again, if you are interested in getting early access because you yourselves are developing a project or you have an existing project, but you just kind of want to try this out, what is it like to be on your own semi-sovereign chain? Uh, please let us know and uh, we'd, be, we'd be happy to help you out there. Uh, but yeah, maybe that's that's one piece of information that's uh, relevant to everyone is that Alphanet is dropping in a couple months time. I mean, it's called Alpha. So that's pretty, pretty fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Much Alpha. Thank you, guys. So yeah, and then I uh, don't think I have any message request or anything. Um, so there's no last questions. Um, you know, Rebecca, Jen, Rex, Joe, we, uh, we appreciate you guys coming on today, uh, sharing your time with us and sharing, uh, you know, all the cool stuff you guys have going on with Saga. So if there's any last words you guys want to share with uh, the community, feel free. Yeah. Just saying a couple months when we got Alphanet out and we're moving along and love to get back on here. I think, uh, just come check us out on our, um, Telegram, our discord, uh, follow us on Twitter. That's where we'll, uh, keep you up to date on everything that's going on. Um, yeah, and then Innovator Program, we talked about that. If you're um, building cool stuff in Web3, uh, reach out to us. Building in Cosmos and want an easy solution. Um, Solidity developer that wants to have an IBC chain, all that good stuff. Um, hit us up. Nothing else? All right, well, thank you, guys. Awesome. We appreciate it. We love it. Yep. It was a good time. Appreciate you guys. I got the uh, their, their Discord pinned to the top if you guys are looking for it. So, you know, jump in there, follow the Twitter. Uh, we'll try to spread the word about the uh, innovative, you know, dev hangouts you guys got going on too. So can't wait to have you guys back on here in a few months when more things are rolling. Sweet. Thanks, Tricky. Appreciate it. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was The Next 1000 Chains with Saga, hosted by Cosmos Spaces, recorded on Monday, July 11th, 2022. For Terraspaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Digging in the dirt, trying to find the treasure Learning how to mix this business with pleasure I'm kicking a lecture, spitting conjecture High as a bird while I'm flipping the gesture Living like a jester, investing these extras Dissecting a mess, an eagle looking headstrong Infinitesimal, the spit in his next world And if you don't agree, well then I'm afraid you're dead wrong So leave the mess hall and clean your plates up I can't believe the rest of y'all feed on makeup Bereavement breakup to rearrange your wake up Big ol' bloody mess like a scene from Braveheart Driving race cars 
bars that beat the fate It's hard to meet your maker when the features ain't marked Trying to slide underneath the paywall I'm afraid this motherfucker's gone AWOL You had better unfuck yourself or I will unscrew your head and kick down your neck Sir, yes sir Private Joker, why did you join my beloved gold? Sir, to kill sir No, you're a killer Sir, yes sir Let me see your war face Sir, you got a war face? On the earth trying to mine some headspace Give a little gift like I'm lifted dead weights The risk of resting kicks the nest egg Square in the nuts, y'all feeling testy The breeze swept in, no need of resting The least depressing, so sweet but messy I need the best day to keep professing And hope my body doesn't leave behind a red stain Pouring out a little liquor for the dead states While the rest wait and bleed domestic No means to gestate, breeds the best cake Beauty on the back of the queen she just ate So take a little dive down a K-hole while I flip the B-roll right into A-roll and make the payroll go a little further. Replace the merger with the tainted version.